flashbacking bounty hunters, training superheroes, and of course, can we find true love? This is Spoiler Koala. Darth Vader is Luke's dad. No, duh. Mr. Collins marries Lizzie. That never happened. Uncle Ben dies. That's a spoiler. Spoiler. Koala! Welcome, everybody, to another wonderful episode of Spoiler Koala. Diana, how you doing? I am good. I'm excited. We have a lot of fun things to talk about. Yeah. I, I, I'm quite pleased that we have finally finished another Marvel TV show. Yes, we have completely been slacking on Loki and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. So we're back at it. Yeah, we finished off the Hawkeye series, which is great because last episode you went ahead and had some like real hopes for the season uh, because of an article you read. And um, yeah, you want to start there? Yes, my baby boy Kingpin is on it. <laughs> is baby boy really the best description for him? Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so we had Kingpin show up at the end of uh, of uh, uh, Hawkeye, and he was just as ruthless as I remember. I was very disappointed at first because I thought he was going to be in the Spider-Man film. And then he wasn't. And so I was thinking, like, what was this article that I read? And then when I saw him, like the little clip in Hawkeye that they showed at the end of like one of the episodes, I screamed really loud. It was painful. We tend to do these things where I have headphones. Yeah. My joy was unbridled, to say the <laughs> least. I don't like... Uh, we, we did some research afterwards. I don't know how I feel about his outfit. I know I get that. I get that it's like a reference to some of the comics, but I kind of hate him in the Hawaiian getup. Yeah, I was very upset by that. Um, just because like in the Daredevil series, he was dressed like beautifully. It was like he feels like a crime lord. And then in this, it was like, the Hawaiian shirt. What's going on? Um, for sure, though, the remainder of the seat, like Hawkeye was really good. I really liked how quirky it was. Yeah. It um, felt very different than the other uh, series that they've done, like the other like superhero ones. Right. Yeah, they um, they brought back uh is her name Yvena, the Black Widow's sister? Uh, Yelena? Yelena, that sounds a bit better. Um, yeah, they brought her back, and I don't know, just the interaction between her and, and the rest of the cat, it's just, it's just brilliant. Like, I hope they do more with Yelena's character. I hope so, too. She's the person that, like, I want to grow up to be. <laughs> You want to grow up to be a, a trained assassin? That's okay. Well, not really, but like, I want her swag. Want her swag. That confidence coming out of her pores. <laughs> She's like, she was cool. That macaroni scene, my favorite of the entire series. Yeah. 
spicy macaroni when she got her hands on it. Yeah, I was like, oh, girl, I have a girl crush right now. <laughs> I like the little dog. I don't fully understand the dog. Like. Why why the dog was um, such a big part of the show? He didn't really. Because it was pizza dog. Yeah, it was pizza dog. But like, you know, outside of her saving him. I don't really know what the point of him being there was, but it's Disney, you have to have a dog at some point. Okay. Well, he was cute and, you know, I'm glad that he's better off now, but it, I was confused. Um, I am interested to see what they do with the whole, you know, now there's technically two Hawkeye people in the MCU. I was just so relieved that they did not kill him off. Yeah, I, I'm assuming he's retiring. You know, we could probably still see him, but I'm assuming he's retiring and she's going to like, you know, take on the mantle for all the, the bigger things now. I hate to say it, but I feel like Haley Steinfeld, she's such a great actress, but I just wasn't feeling her in this role. I liked her a lot. I thought she was great. difference of opinion yeah it is a big difference of opinion because i was interested in everyone else even the dog more than i was interested in her yeah okay like like i'm sorry but kingpin was only in like i think two episodes maybe like i was just more interested in him than the actual star of the show well i mean you were interested in kingpin before you even knew that he was in the show you were you're probably already like salivating at the idea. No, but I mean, like, you know, it's exciting because like female superheroes, they're coming more to the more into the Mm -hmm. mainstream, which is exciting to me. Yeah. But then I'm realizing just because someone is a female superhero, that doesn't mean that like, I'm just going to jump on board. Like they need to be like really awesome. Mm, Okay. And I just felt like, you know, I've seen her in other things and she's fantastic. But this just this character didn't didn't do anything for me. Well, Haley, if you hear our nonsense here, I believe in you. I think you did a brilliant job and I hope to see more of this character. Um, I really like I don't know. I just really like the interactions that she had with some of the other characters where it's just like she she's just She's got this noble spirit, but just an like absolutely ignorant of like how to actually get things done. I liked the stepfather character more than her. He he was fun. I liked him. Just that moment of him like just being so excited that this is his time to shine. Just with the whole like sword fighting thing. How, how did you feel about the um, uh, the red heron and and reveal uh what are you talking about well the first half of the show was setting him up to be this big bad guy oh i liked that twist a lot i liked that the mother was actually the puppet master yeah i was like oh yeah this is great (laughs) i i thought it was interesting i I don't know if it was intended because that's always the tough thing with twists, especially on Disney's end, where it's like, are they adding the twist because it's just narratively important or are they trying to trick us? Because 
I saw that coming after like they, they started doubling down on some of the uh, of the stepfather's I don't know stuff and it's just like we're hitting this too hard and then I started seeing you know some of the things that they were doing with the mother it's like I think she might be setting him up but I I'm not sure if they were trying to hide that I, I wonder if they were just trying to narratively push that this is the best story we we, we had so I, I don't know well, it was interesting because WandaVision, they did something kind of similar where Agnes mm-hmm. turns out to be like, you know, this big bad in the series. And for so many episodes, she was just kind of like the nosy neighbor. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, listeners, Sean is definitely more observant about uh, like narrative twists. I feel like with me, like I don't really see them coming. So I'm always sitting there in just like this state of utter shock. And Sean's just like, oh, yeah, like I knew that was coming. So <laughs> I don't say like, like that. You do. You do the voice. I do the voice. You do the uh, voice. I don't know. It's just like, well, the, the WandaVision one, it's like, I don't know. There was there was something up with some of the extra characters. Um, but I wasn't sure what it was. Whereas with this, it was like. I know exactly what was going to happen in terms of like this reveal. Um, and so that that kind of made it seem to me it's like maybe they're not trying to. St- I don't know. I just don't know where it fits as as just like a writer where the twist is. Is it important for the twist to be a surprise? And because um, I, I still really enjoyed it, even though not being surprised at all. And I'm just wondering if it was their intent for me to be surprised because it was, I don't know, felt kind of obvious. Either way, fine, moving on. (laughs) Um, What else we got? We got um, the Kingpin reveal. We got Yelena. Um, I thought it was interesting um, having... uh, you know, uh, Hawkeye going deaf. Yeah, that felt very poignant. It didn't feel like they were trying to do this for like dramatic purposes. Yeah. I mean, it certainly added drama, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel inappropriate or like they were doing something bad. It felt very like a natural progression for this character. Yeah, it does beg the question, you know, because they did the little, um, they did a little, uh, what's the word? Montage. They did a little montage of, um, you know, explosions and stuff, trying to suggest that that's the reason he's losing his hearing, which makes sense, but also begs the question of why isn't anyone else losing their hearing that's on the Avengers? Yeah, that's that's true. That is a little plot hole that they may have missed. Um, but nonetheless, like, I think, yeah. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, um, Hawkeye is really only one of the, like, human Avengers. Thor is a god. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Captain America, like, has, like, a super serum, like, in his veins. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony's yeah. kind of protected by armor. Mm. Um, you know, Hawkeye is kind of the one who's like, he's on the front lines, if you will. Okay. 
Hulk is, you know, a science experiment. So I'm not surprised that his hearing is fine. You know. Yeah, because giant green rage monsters are always known for their, like, super hearing. That could be a benefit. Could be a benefit. <laughs> All right, well, Black Widow, she should have been deaf, too. There you go. Um... <laughs> Wow, I saw you slip that in there and then just try to smoothly move on. Whatever, Sean. Yeah. Um, I certainly liked the attempt to, you know, add, you know, deaf representation into the show. Um, I liked that they didn't hark too much on the whole sign language end because, you know, it, it was good that you were kind of seeing it. It was going over there. Um, but... I don't feel like we sat on it too long. It's like, oh, I'm deaf. I learned sign language. Let me do it all the time. It's like even in like the scenes where like they're doing interpretation of people using sign language, they kind of just said the words as if it was happening so quickly, even though there's always going to be a delay when you have an interpretation. They just just went with it. Um, I thought that might have been the best choice. I don't know. Well, you brought up an interesting point when we were watching it because um, Sean's mom works with, uh, children who are deaf. And, um, you had mentioned that there's kind of a debate about, uh, sign language versus, uh, maybe I got that wrong or like, and hearing aids and things like that. Yeah. Well, um, certainly take everything I say with a grain of salt because I'm no expert, but you know, I, I know that there is some kind of concerns between, you know, the deaf community about, you know, cochlear implants and going through certain surgeries and getting devices to like help you hear um, because it kind of suggests that there's something to fix about them. And, you know, deaf people growing up don't exactly want to be told that they're broken, which is fair. Um, and so I thought that was interesting that they were kind of, you know, introducing a little bit of that where um, where the the villain lady, I don't know why I never remember names the um there's a kind of the main villain um she's going around trying to kill hawkeye and uh, she's completely deaf um and doesn't think that um he should even use a hearing aid yeah i really liked that they brought up you know this issue and um they like they wove it into the story and i didn't even really know the context of you know, that whole debate. So that was certainly interesting to learn about that and then think about it in the context of the show. Yeah. So um, I thought it was interesting, too, that she was like an amputee. I don't know if the actress is either deaf or amputee, but I'm assuming she's not deaf just based on, you know, some of the things I was you know seeing, just kind of with the we, we were discussing her acting was a little reserved is that a that a nice way of saying it yeah i i thought she was there's such a thing as being too understated and to me it felt like she was a new actor and that was one of the things that kind of came up in our whole deaf conversation is that you know with, with sign language there's a lot of like intonation that you can't really put because your hands have to move a certain way you know there's only a such a small variance before it starts looking like something else 
Um, and so a lot of the context comes from facial expressions. And so the fact that we're having this actress going ahead and like, I'm really glad that they were put in the sign language. I really, you know, I liked kind of the visual of it and such. But the fact that I don't know, her face kind of stayed, you know, Keanu Reeves, like unexpressionless for the majority of it was like, I don't know this. I don't think she's a real deaf actress. Not yeah. that I looked it up. And we were also talking about um, the, uh, A Quiet Place because Sean just showed me that, um, you know, not too long ago. And I just thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, one of the actresses who actually is deaf was really like heavily consulted about, um, you know, John Krasinski, Sean had mentioned, was like really like, you know, talking with her and like, you know, and just trying to like, you know, do things right. Um, so I just, I don't know. I just thought like that was, that was yeah. like really cool. And I kind of wish that in Hawkeye, they had, you know, they had cast someone who was actually deaf. Because yeah. I, I mean, I think that would be a good idea. There's, there's obviously problems anytime you do things like that. And, you know, sets aren't exactly the best place to be trying new things. So like, I wouldn't fault anyone for not wanting to be the first person to like try certain things, but you know, obviously there's pros and cons to both. Um, or, you know, you get a more realistic performance if you, you go for it, but you might have to deal with a bunch of things on set that you're not prepared for. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. But I do think though, that if you're going to portray that story, yeah. I think that trying to make it as accurate as possible and trying to create those opportunities like I think that's really important. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Any any other things we want to touch on uh, Hawkeye? Oh, last thing with Hawkeye, uh, we have to talk about the musical. Oh, the Steve Rogers musical. Oh, that made my heart so happy. Brilliant. They uh, they showed uh, like a full scene of the musical at the end of the show, and it's just. Uh, I, I part of me really hopes that they got had those actors on stage and they did more. Um, but it's it was just brilliant. I'm so glad that they they incorporated that into the show. Just watching Jeremy Renner's facial expressions as he's watching it. It was like it doesn't feel like he's acting. That feels very real and authentic. Yeah, he's just not happy that it exists. That's like the sheer horror on his face. <laughs> oh man. But that was brilliant. It was brilliant. I'm glad they did that. We have been watching, however, another Disney Plus show. One that is a bit more recent and we're not all the way through yet. I thought that I loved The Mandalorian and and I did and I do. Because of Baby Yoda, I liked Mando. Boba Fett is on a whole other level. Yeah, Boba Fett's really good. Now, you and me disagreed a little bit on that last take right there, where I I didn't I didn't enjoy season one all that much. It was, you know, it was meandering. It was a lot of like separate plots. Like nobody did like bad performances or anything, but it was just I don't know, me as a viewer, it's really important for me to know like where we're going or at least that we're going somewhere. Um, 
and the whole season one like i didn't like um boba fett is miles above that however season two i thought was really good of the mandalorian so i don't know if i want to like go all the way to be like boba fett is better than season two of the mandalorian all right well you can stay on that rock but i believe that I've only seen two episodes and I feel like it's super amazing and blows season two out of the water. Yeah, it certainly is really good. And I'm pleased the direction that they're going with it. Um, you know, for anybody who's like a real big Star Wars nerd, you might have already known that there's there's so much extended universe lore about Boba Fett. And I don't uh, the the whole idea of him getting out of the Sarlacc pit obviously happened since he's still alive but i thought we were just gonna move on i didn't think we were gonna deal with the sarlacc pit ever again um what was happening now is like he got out then he's been searching for a suit and then he got a suit in the mandalorian but they've done a nice thing with this show that we're not just continuing a story we're also doing a little bit of flashback yes i have to say i am really obsessed with what they're doing narratively where they're doing like half the episode is flashback. And then the other half is like present day. So yeah. I really liked that. And that that's really tough to do, like to write that and make sure that like your viewers are like keeping up with you and they're not getting lost or confused. So I think mm-hmm. that the writers really did a good job of showing like, okay, this is flashback and this is current storyline. Yeah. It's certainly interesting to me, uh, both in Mando and in Boba Fett. Now we spent a, we're spending a lot of time with the Sand People, which, you know, episode two, episode one and two of the like the main storyline tried to make the Tusken Raiders like awful. You know, we got a little bit of like feel sorry for him with Anakin murdering them but uh you know still then it felt almost justified because they were awful creatures now now they're just making them people yeah i i definitely was trying to adjust to how i was supposed to feel about them yeah they and they i do think that they did a good job of making them very unlikable even just in that first episode and then you start to see that you know they they are they do kind of do barbaric things but they're also being persecuted too yeah yeah there's um there's certainly the scene showing him you know boba fett gets uh captured by them and then ends up i guess basically a slave they don't they don't talk in uh english or intergalactic common or whatever you want to call it um so we don't know most of the things that are going on behind the scenes until boba fett starts learning their like sign language type stuff um but it seems like he's basically a slave so it's like they don't start off all that great but by the time this train comes through and starts murdering their people it's like they start showing him respect and stuff and it's, i don't know it was it, it's it's a it's a big change, but kind of it works well. I do like that they made the choice not to tell us 
what the Tuscans are saying. That you you kind of like we're kind of learning along with uh, Boba Fett, like you had mentioned, what they're talking about. Yeah, and I thought that was that was really creative. Yeah, I don't since I don't know language, I don't know if any of what they're saying is realistic. Um, it doesn't seem like all of what they say with their words or what they're portraying with their hands. So I will throw that in there, but um, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm just pleased to see more, you know, representation there, even if it is like a scary alien race that, you know, murdered Anakin's mom. Um, but yeah, we do we have any expectations for the rest of the season? Oh, I wanted to mention, um, I am obsessed that the Huts are like the main villain of this season. Yeah, the twins. Oh, my gosh. I have to say that Jabba the Hutt scares the heck out of me every time I watch whatever movie he's in. I can't remember the name. But as a villain. Oh, so exciting. Yeah. And so to to learn now that like Boba Fett is going to be like going up against them and also like kind of, I don't know it seems like they he might be like working with them in some respect too. Yeah. Super excited. Yeah, I don't really know the logistics of the Space Mafia, but it sounds like they might be on like similar levels right now. Thus they might have to, you know, he might have to do some politicking and stuff. Um which is which is an interesting direction for um for Boba Fett to go because he's he's having to do like the politics stuff with the mayor. Now he's going to potentially be doing that with the twins. I'm curious where the story's going to go. Yeah, I really want to see him become the hero of the town and like get rid of these huts, and then yeah. everyone in the town like loves him because like now like I think they're they're just kind of like wary of him. Mm-hmm, for sure. And it was, I really liked too what they did with that one scene right before the huts arrived, where the mayor said to him, like, oh, you know, you should go back to, you know, that bar or whatever it was. And, you know, the lady who was running it was kind of like, you know, kind of saying without saying, you know, you're kind of supposed to be protecting us because we have these, you know, we have these overlords who are not good. Yeah. So it, it was interesting that like it's not like oh Boba Fett got rid of Bib Fortuna and then everything is going to be his reign is going to be smooth. It's like no, there are other huts that are encroaching. There are other huts. The mayor is trying to assassinate him. You know, it's not clear who he's able to trust. It's interesting. I'd like to think. I'd like to think that this story is going to the point that Boba Fett is going to be like end up ruling the planet. Um, but I'm not particularly sure because I'm I'm trying to figure out based on like what themes they're putting in here, which is like him learning other people's culture and him learning like respect and then different skills. It seems like he's going to become something more. But I don't know what more the narrative is trying to push. I kind of like that they're keeping to his roots of, you know, he's ruthless, but he's also got a sense of honor. Yeah. So not just going to go around like murdering people for no reason. 
Mm-hmm. If he's coming after you, it's because you're doing something wrong. Yeah. But there's still that side of him that wants glory and power. And so he's not a completely altruistic character like right. Luke Skywalker or something like that. Yeah. I like I like the title too, Daimyo. Yeah, I I guess I must have missed that in Jabba the Hutt's uh, Star Wars movie. That was I, the first time I'd heard that. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that they've ever called him a daimyo before. It was just Jabba, he was the hut. Oh, okay. Um so they're they're adding new lore in. I don't know, it just sounds interesting and I like it. I really want to go back now and watch. Uh, I can't remember which movie Jabba's in. Well, it's uh, New Hope. Uh, is it Revenge of the Sith? No, is that the, is that the third one? Ah, uh, why do I not? It, it's episode five. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to go back and watch episode five. Empire Strikes Back. That's what it is. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll watch that. Yeah, we should do an episode entitled Hot Takes on Episode 5. <laughs> well, maybe we should go through the Star Wars ones uh, at some point, because I know you've got... Um, you're you're such a romance fiend that I know you've watched Episode 2 like a thousand times, and all the rest of the movies like maybe once. So it might be nice for us to hit those and, and then see where we go. A chance to watch episode two again? Of course. Well, you know that one so well. We could skip that one. No. No. I want to see it. (laughs) Sounds good. I know everybody hates on uh, Anakin, but he is my favorite. Yeah. He's fun. That that sand and the coarse line. Beautiful. It's the most romantic thing you've ever heard. All right. Well, we've got one more thing that we want to talk about. Hang on to your roses. It's going to be wild. Okay. All right. We are back from the Bachelor episode. And it was so stressful. Watching Sean's face while uh, he's watching the show. I was like, oh, my gosh, the same level of stress is happening. Oh, oh my gosh. It's on it. Like, I do not think this. Do, do they have therapists for people after they get off the show? Because this is this is not healthy. But they, but they have therapists that are on the show, too. So, like, one of the contestants <sighs> needs to go talk to someone they can. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they have to because it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I don't I don't wish this on anybody. Um Yeah. So, I mean, we had some pretty interesting reveals. First off, we've got crazy aggressor. What's what's her name? Shanae. Sh- no, 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 no. Shanae's the aggressor minion. Who's the, oh, the, the sensei? Cassidy. Oh my gosh. Um Cassidy for sure. I I'm scared of her. She's she's a one track mind, knows what she wants. She's going to get it. And then, you know, looks like she's willing to beat up kids in the process. That group date. I. 
Okay. I don't want to say that I feel sympathetic towards Cassidy because she's the worst. But as far as group dates go, that was a dumb group date. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what you would be expecting these however many women are left to like do with all these kids. But, you know, telling them that you're trying to avoid them at all roles and then not helping set up the birthday party and like, you know, it, I don't know. She's she's aggressive in like all the wrong ways. Yeah, there is something to keeping a little bit of mystery so that like, you know, and th- I think this goes for guys and girls like, you know, you you do want to keep a little bit of mystery so that like the person can feel like they can like pursue you a little bit. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think anyone is super interested in someone who's just like readily available and like ready to like, you know, make out with you at a moment's notice, like in the beginning of a relationship. I think there does need to be a little bit of like question there. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know, people could disagree with me, but I think the real benefit of like physical connections in romance is that it's supposed to be an add-on to an emotional like intellectual and you know relationship like it's supposed to be it's supposed to add to something it's like oh you feel so close to someone then it is a i don't know just the fact that like there's so many of these women who are just like oh, this person that I've known for two days. Oh, I get to make out with him. I get to throw myself on top of him. He's the greatest man ever. It's like. How like. Literally anyone could do, oh, you know, you could do that to a pillow. It's not. I don't like you're not learning anything about him. How would you know you want to like spend your life with him based on, you know, how often he kisses you gosh yeah also too you know there can be someone who like you're super attracted to but if as you start to talk to them you realize oh like we don't have the same plan for our life we don't like to go to the the same restaurants you know we have nothing in common there's nothing we can really talk about we can only like talk with our tongues it's kind of like well then you know, most people in a normal situation, they would admit that there might be physical chemistry, but there's no other type of chemistry. Right. And you can't, like, build a lasting relationship off of kissing someone. No. Because that could hold pretty fast. Yeah. And there's going to be plenty of situations where it's not appropriate. Oh, yeah. You know, I got to go visit my parents. They have their, you know birthday or whatever and then it's like what are you gonna do during the birthday you're not gonna be making out you gotta actually have conversation (laughs) yeah if if you are making out during a parent's birthday with your significant other that's a little weird it's a little weird so but i believe cassidy would do it and then cassidy's trying to teach shanene how to come out and I I almost feel like Chinene's going farther than Cassidy. Yeah, I definitely think that Cassidy got in her head. And yeah. now I kind of wonder, like, was that the plan? Ooh. Like, is the plan to like, it was like, oh, let me like psych her out so that she'll totally screw up her time with him. 
I don't know. Cassidy doesn't seem like she can think that far ahead. Mm. Yeah, so, maybe, so maybe she's not that much of a strategist. No, I think she was just like, I have no concerns, so I'll at least give my tips to this other person. And the tips like really got into Shanae's head and she went too far. Because she nuts. So have you ever seen this? This uh, was it Zy Zy comedian? I had never heard of her before this episode. Apparently, yeah, which is which is fair because neither one of us is like super in, into like celebrities. Yeah, I mean the weird thing too was that Clayton didn't even really introduce her. One of the other yeah. girls in one of the interviews introduced her. Right. So that that was kind of weird that like with Hillary Duff there was like an introduction, but with this comedian there was nothing. Yeah, I I just skipped over Hillary Duff. What do you know? Hillary Duff came back. I haven't seen anything from her in forever. Well, she is going to be in that new show, How I Met Your Father, on Hulu. Uh, so I'm not surprised that she's they're trying to, like, yeah, prime her to, you know, her return to television. I mean, yeah. she was doing that show younger, I think. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen it. I just know the name. She's a lot shorter than I thought she was. She is very petite. That always surprises me. But, you know, go for her that she's still doing stuff because, you know, she did well from what I remember. Yes, I I was with the girls when they had that massive reaction, because I think if I saw her in person, I was a big enough fan of Lizzie McGuire that I probably would have reacted that way, too. So I I don't know if this is particularly true for other people, um, but I will say that I think one of the most terrifying sounds that there are in the world is a bunch of like is is 30 squealing women. I they've, agree with you. They've done now like them showing up in the limos, them running towards the dates. And then when Hillary Duff showed up, it's just like this noise that emanates from all of these people is terrifying. It is the sound of like mice being run over by like a tractor trailer. That's exactly it. Oh, man. Even when they do those shots, and they do it every season, whether it's like The Bachelor or Bachelorette, where like the entire group of like men or women yells the like the lead's name from like a balcony or something. Right. Like it just it reverberates throughout the canyon. Throughout the canyon. Clayton, 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 Clayton. That was scary. I also think it's terrifying when like when they're doing a group date or something and then you see like 15 women running at you. Oh, run the other direction fast. That that would create anxiety in me. Yeah. I I know Clayton's like he's a big guy. He could he could probably take a few of them, but I don't know. Just so, the whole swarming concept. It's just, you're not done. the might of the 15. He would go <laughs> down like a bowling pin. <laughs> Especially with Cassidy and Shanae there. Oh my gosh. Shanae almost took him out. When did she do that? She, she jumped on him <gasps> on the oh. second uh, group date. And yeah. he, he kind of had to like balance himself because she was coming like full force at him. Yeah. Did the whole leg wrap and whatever. Yeah. Ugh. Obviously someone who has watched the show because that is a common greeting. Oh. Uh -huh. I mean, obviously, the men don't do that to the women, but... Yeah, it seems scary. 
Yeah, but normally the women like they'll they'll run and like jump into the person's arms and like wrap their legs around them. Yeah, but they normally only do that when it gets down to like the final four or like the final three or things like that. Mm-hmm. So seeing her do that now obviously watches the show. Obviously watches the show. So I don't know. They are causing so much drama in this house. Um, you know. ZY didn't didn't help too much going with the whole starting up the red flags conversation. I don't know. They introduced her as a as a comedian, but she was she was threatening. She was clearly there to stir up yeah. the, the bubbling, simmering resentments that were starting to form, mostly from Shanae. And she, yeah, she did a good job. Shanae was full force. Yeah, I mean, Shanae was already like kind of unstable in her feelings yeah. and then it just took this to kind of set off all the insecurities and it was off to the races and it sinks because we've got like other characters in the house that it's like we actually want to care about which is like you know teddy like i've still got you know guanavive am i pronouncing her name right genevieve genevieve sorry genevieve you know we have these people that it's like I'd be up for seeing them and their interactions, but the drama just, it's just overcomes everything. Yes. My queen, Kate, I want to see her like interact with Clayton. Yeah. She's obviously like got a sense of humor because of her limo entrance. <laughs> Every time that I've seen her like in like a drama context, she's not like trying to stir the pot. She's just kind of reacting to what's happening. Yeah, sure. like I'm seeing glimpses of my queen, but I'm not getting enough time with her. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. But yeah, we're, we're getting it was pretty much a Cassidy uh, Shanae episode with like, you know, hints of other people. You could maybe put Elizabeth just as a reaction as yeah. one of the the main people. But even then, it's just her trying to survive the Shanae calls. I know. I want. I also want to see Sierra. I want to see Marlena. Like, it seems like there are a lot of wonderful women, but they're not getting any time whatsoever. Was it was it Shanae that that turned out to be like? Um, was, was she the Olympian? No, Marlena is the Olympian. Mar- I thought that was cool. It's just like I don't. I obviously they must have said it with the introductions of them last episode, but I feel like I'm still learning who these people are. And like, it's like, whoa, an Olympian is going ahead and competing and she lost the obstacle race. <laughs> well, she was doing really good until she got to the breadcrumb area. And I think she fell. So she had to go back. Yeah. But you had to stay on those little like breadcrumb things. And you couldn't you couldn't fall and then get up and just continue. You had to go back to the beginning. Yeah, slow and steady is the only way to go. Yeah, I think that if she had gone through that without falling, I think she would have won it. Okay. But yeah, so it, it's uh, I don't know. It's an impressive group of people, and we're stuck with the um, the nuts ones. Yeah, I I'm kind of hoping that this drama is going to peter out within like the next episode or so. Sure. And so that we can kind of get to knowing some of these other women. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah. And then we had, um, 
we moved on to the the cocktail party, which we didn't get to see much of the party this time either because of the drama. Yeah, we saw like a couple of moments that he had with a couple of the women, and then it was just taken over by by two pieces of drama, actually. Yeah, I mean, the big one that I remember, obviously, is Shanae and, um, is it Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. But then it was also that revelation that Cassidy might have, <sighs> you know, not even a boyfriend, like a friends with benefits situation. Yeah. That, like, is, that seems to be just put on pause while she's doing The Bachelor, and then will continue when she gets back. That's yeah, it fun. seems... I mean, it certainly seems like that might be part of what plays into this confidence. It's like she can do what she wants. And then if she gets what she wants, great. If she doesn't, I'm fine. Yeah. And and that's again, this is the whole thing with the show where the influencer thing is really coming into play here. Because honestly, Cassidy probably does not care if she ends up with Clayton or not, because she yeah. knows that she's got a one in, you know, 29 chance or whatever it is. But she knows that if she's able to get a following, she can make a lot of money after this. Yeah. So, you know, she probably, you know, she probably thinks Clayton's attractive, but I don't think she's going to be that upset. She has to go home. She's more upset about the fact that she's losing her the spotlight. Right. Uh, yeah. Good, good for... Um... Who was it that was uh, calling calling it out? Sienna? Sierra. Sierra. See, I, I really liked how she handled it. Because it's like, one, she she went ahead and she snitched, at least. But she didn't she didn't just go, like, talk to Clayton and then leave it hanging like Sierra did. Not no, uh, like Shanae. Gosh, I can't I can't get these names. Shanae. Uh, yeah, Shanae went ahead and, like, complained to Clayton and then like lied to everybody else where it's like you know Sierra at least like had the like the level of character to be like okay I feel like I should say this so I go ahead and I say it but then I go to the person before Clayton does and like hey this is what I just shared um it came from me it you know and this is why yeah she was very classy about the whole thing um and I liked that she didn't apologize because she shouldn't apologize but I like that she didn't say like, hey, I'm sorry, but I had to tell him about this. She was like, no, I'm going to tell him about this because he needs to know. And you were the idiot who confessed it to a fellow contestant. Yeah, I don't I don't know where the sense was in that one. I don't know why she would brag about that, especially to someone who was also competing for Clayton's heart. Yeah, it's like, hello, you've just given her ammunition and she should use it because you're being a bad person. Okay, but I guess that kind of goes into something here. Uh, can we just address the kind of the hypocrisy that this show sets up with the male lead? Yes, please. Because this drives—I don't know—this drives me nuts. That I do not. Do the, do the other girls not realize that he is having similar relations with every single person? Well, I think in order in order to survive, I think they're trying not to think about it. Okay, because this is nuts to me that like they're all concerned about vying and getting all these dirt on things. But it's like, look at Clayton. 
He is spending all of this time making out with 30 women. And you're just like, oh, yeah, he's he's only got eyes for me. I love our connection. It's so natural. (laughs) I don't like I just don't get it that they are just, I don't know, ignoring the fact that this guy is just with all of them. Well, see, but but this is this is what I'm saying. This is the power of not only the whole influencer thing, but just the wanting to fall in love thing. Like the show has created this desire and and preys upon this desire for people to want to be in love. And so they're willing to put themselves through anything to attain this. Ugh. So it's like, so even, even beyond the people who are like just in it to like become influencers or launch a business or something, they're, they're all wanting this fairy tale and they're convinced that, you know, the show could be the way to do it. And so it's a very insidious part of the show to me. Yeah. It's, it's kind of gross. Um, but it's happened. And these these people are driving themselves nuts here. And I'm glad I'm glad to know that there are therapists on call. Yes, there is no way that they'd be able to do this show without having some type of like, you know, mental health professional somewhere. That is intense. But, you know, I I just I I bring that up because I'm just like, you know, Clayton is like stepping away. Ah, I got to think about this. I got how do I feel about one of the women gotten another man on the side. Jesse, can I take back a rose and cutting off the episode there? It's just like, I mean, is she really that much worse than you on on that? Like one thing, like maybe you have some concerns about like, like confidence level and like how she's just going so hard at you because that seems threatening to me. But is this is, is this really that much of a concern to you yeah i i agree with you i i wasn't thinking so much about the hypocrisy level of it um but that is a valid concern because you know yeah like he is also doing the same thing kind of with all these women yeah but it's but the the differing factor is that it's okay in the context of the show yeah where what she's doing is clearly not okay. Ugh. Um, are there like classier bachelors? I definitely think that there have been better bachelors. Um, I think Sean Lowe was one of my favorite bachelors, and it's because like I He's felt got like a good name. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> he does. But I just felt like he really treated the women who was on, like who were on his season, with a lot of respect. Okay. And also made it pretty clear that the fantasy suite was not going to be like sexy time. It was going to be like, I get to talk to them and spend time with them off camera. But, you know, I've made a commitment, uh, you know, not to have sex with them until, you know, the person that I'm married to. So I definitely think that like of all the bachelors, I think he was one of the classiest. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, because it's just, you know. I I couldn't see signing up for something like this if this is what the expectation was, which kind of leads me to believe that somebody else like 
somebody else has had to have done it better. Yeah, I do think that the maturity level of the lead, whether it's Bachelor or Bachelorette, um, plays a big role in this. Yeah. Um, like, I certainly didn't agree with every decision or thing that Michelle said. But when she was the Bachelorette, I do think she handled the role with a lot of grace. And I think she did such a great job of respecting the men and, like, really trying to, like, get to know them. Sure. Um, I just... So I, I don't know. I, I just think other leads in the past, they're very enthusiastic about, you know, getting to date all these people and, and all this stuff. But I think there have only been a few who have really handled the role with a lot of maturity. That begs the question. We've got a host now that was a previous bachelor. How does Jesse compare? I've never seen his season. <gasps> OK, maybe we'll have to look up some highlight reels for him. Yeah, and see how he kind of handled it. Can we um, please talk about that moment at the end where, like, his facial reaction was, like, my favorite? Oh, after the the big question, the... Yeah, that... The way that they did it with the music and they they got the editing down perfect, they had his reaction. Oh, that was beautiful TV. Can I... Has anyone ever taken back a rose and then just like the eyebrow that goes up, the music swell? It was. Yeah, they they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, I I think with Jesse, he's the best host when he's not rehearsed or when he doesn't know something is coming. Sure. Like that reaction to me really felt like he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I don't think that he was prepped on that. I'm curious where they keep him, you know? Because they had to have him like relatively on call, but he's obviously yeah, not so interacting. Bad. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, I'd like to see the behind the scenes. Like, what does Jesse do during the episode? And you just see him like, I don't know, in the cabin that's like down the street, just, you know, playing Candy Crush or something. <laughs> I think Chris Harrison, uh, you know, when they would travel around and stuff, I would bet money that he was probably playing golf. Yeah. Like, I, I bet he was probably just, like, off the premises, just getting a hole-in-one. <laughs> um, I guess the, the only other thing I'd have to say about the episode is that, like, Clayton doesn't, doesn't seem to be that great of a conversationalist. Yeah, I've noticed this with a couple of other Bachelors, too. Um, I think that... I, I don't know what it is, but they, it just seems like a lot of the, a lot of the leads are not really good at like actually talking to people. Yeah. It's like, they seem like to I, be better on a one-on-one situation. Yeah. But in these like ones where they kind of have to like do these, like, you know, meet and greet sessions. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's a good looking guy. I won't, I won't deny him that. But we had like multiple situations where it's just like, I don't know. He he just seems to be like a, a reaction box where like the women are like offering information about themselves, and he's just like, oh, interesting, or you know, he just like repeats it back. And it's like I haven't, I don't know much about Clayton. Yeah, I have a feeling that we're gonna get through this entire season, and we're gonna know the same amount of information about him as we did at the beginning. Yeah, which is... I, I hate to say it, but, like, some people are just, like, not good TV. I don't think he's good Not TV. good TV. 
Like he just he isn't. He's boring. He's boring. Um, sorry, Clayton. If you ever hear this, you know you should have went with Guinevere. Um, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes, and uh, and I guess next week's episode. Well, uh, we're actually there's not going to be one <sighs> next week. Week after. No bachelor till the week after. Well, we'll still have a we'll still have an episode of spoiler koala for you. Yes. Because we have plenty other things that we can spoil. Yeah. I guess for now we'll go ahead and we'll leave the Bachelor Rose where it's at. Thank you guys so much for joining us again for this week of Spoiler Koala. We look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.